helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern in most families and most individuals is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to today's program. This is Talk Money. Well, I'm excited today because we're going to be talking to people that are really going to give you some insight into not only what you're doing about retirement and some preparatory things about the planning for retirement and some decisions that you need to make, but also we're going to find out something from one of our guests later on in the program that you don't want to miss. You have biases. Did you know that? I mean, you have an opinion about things and you think about it and you put your ideas together and all of a sudden all your actions fall under that bias. Well, we're going to find out how that affects our investment portfolio today. So you do not want to miss that part of the program. But before we get to that part of the program, let me introduce to you David Rochester. David, welcome to the program, sir. Good morning, Jim. Thank you. Well, you know, David, you have talked about so many times that people plan for retirement, but they all suddenly get themselves caught up in trying to make decisions about what to do prior to retirement. And some of those decisions are irreversible. I mean, you just can't, you just, you can't go back and reverse it. You've got, you've made the decision. It, you don't want to make the wrong decision. So I appreciate so much what you do and, and the fact that you are, you know, qualified to do this. You are a retired retirement income certified professional and you deal with people. You answer a lot of questions that come in and we're answering a specific question that someone has sent to us simply to say, I'm about to retire, and here's his question. What do I do? And so I thought I would have you on the program to help answer that particular question. So here was the question. I'm about to retire. I've been working for 30 years at one company. He's built a pretty good, you know, he says, I've built a substantial amount of money into my 401k, but I am nervous. And do you think that's a real number? I mean, I can understand that about making a decision and then he says, the common question I think a lot of people think about, what about your wife? And he says, comma, so is my wife. <laughs> sure. So, and that's the, the key example of, and many times we'll phrase it as, do I have enough? Well, that's an interesting question. You just can't pinpoint it with a number. The biases we'll talk about later, I think are very important to talk about. But really the most critical thing is not, do I have the exact right amount of money? That is important. And that has to be taken into the whole picture. But it's really the when you retire, the timing of it. Talk and about that. What do sure. you mean by timing now? So what I mean by that is, and this is where it comes into play, the average retiree um, draws about $1,200 a month. And I say average, and we know how averages work, some above, some below. The average retiree draws about $1,200 per month from their Social Security benefits. So there are some strategies that can be that people should know about about when you apply for that benefit and how that can affect you long term in your total uh, amount of money that you receive during retirement. So it's as critical to make a decision on the timing of when when you retire and when you start to draw Social Security as it is the how you invest your, your money. Okay, so the first thing you're telling this individual, he's thinking about this now. So we're assuming for him that he hasn't started Social Security yet. So he has to say, okay, I'm retiring. I think he said his date was October the 1st. Okay. So his date's October the 1st. 
Uh, he did not say his age, so we'll just assume he's 65, we're okay. assuming. So you're saying for him to to think before he starts his Social Security, because we talk about this on the program a lot, so that some people should delay getting Social Security. Exactly. So we use the term delay or defer because there is a benefit to deferring or delaying that benefit. And so I'll just I'll put out there a quick example. If someone were to decide to start taking their Social Security income at 62, they will receive 76%, on average, 76% less than if they deferred until age 70 to take their benefit. That's a huge difference, Jim. That average is probably 7 8% per year difference just by delaying to take your benefit. Have you calculated the, the difference between, let's say, you, that's a huge penalty, really, but what about I've taken it at 62, I'm getting the money for three years before 65. Does that not add into the bucket and say, well, I'm getting the money? It does, and there's there's what we call a break-even point. So, you know, I don't want to tell you what that number is because it's different for each individual and, and their circumstances and, you know, their, their health, their, where their spouse is living. Um, but there's a break-even point, and there's some analysis that can be done for that. I think the main thing is is that that needs to be done beforehand. As you mentioned earlier, it's an irrevocable or, or irreversible decision. Once you start taking that income, quite frankly, it's pretty hard to undo it. So you're set to continue to take that okay, for the rest of your life. Okay, that's a great point. Okay. If you just tuned in, my guest is David Rochester. He is a retirement income certified professional. And we're talking about decisions that you need to be answering or questions that you need to be answering because the question came to us saying, all right, I am about to retire, in fact, October the 1st, and he said, I've got a lot of the things. So this was a great question. What are some of the things that I need to avoid or to, to make the decisions that I need to make sure I'm doing the right thing? So if you've got questions for us, just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we will get your question on the air as we're doing this individual here. David, one of the things that I think he was concerned about how his investment portfolio was managed under his 401k. Should it stay the same? And now, this is the paragraph. He goes from the question to his paragraph. And I appreciated that. The point being is, how critical is it to have the right investment portfolio, the most suitable investments in the retirement plan? Well, it's, it's important. And so having the proper, we use the term asset allocation. It's very important to have the right allocation, to consider the timeline we you know, discussed earlier, to think about uh, your spouse. So that ties back into what I was describing earlier is claiming your Social Security. Many times, the first person to claim is going to have the higher Social Security benefit, and that can affect their spouse's Social Security income at that date or a later date, and particularly if they end up being the survivor. So very important to consider just the claiming of Social Security, the timing of when you take it, Yes, your allocation is important, but again, I don't think that's always the most critical, and we can talk later about how to address that. Okay, that's good. Well, let me ask this person that's also in the studios with us, Steve Anderson, a certified financial planner. Welcome to the program, Steve. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right. You, you're thinking about this, and guys, I want us to make sure we're answering this person's question because I think this applies to a lot of our listening audience. Steve, you had something that you wanted to add. Yeah, just on top of what David's saying about all these these multiple considerations that you have that, that are all playing into this decision, one of the things that I think sometimes is, is a myth that people bump into, they bump up against when they start thinking about retirement is that the older they get, the more conservative they have to be with their investments. 
that can generally be true. But one thing that, that we always try to work with our clients on is it's really more related to when you're actually going to touch the money in that investment. So, you know, some of these common planning rules about when you get older, you, you get more bonds, less stocks, and you change that asset allocation. It's a good general rule, but it's always important to make sure you consider your personal situation and all the different things you have because it's the timing of when you access those dollars versus just a sheer age calculation. I think that's exactly what his question was all about, too, because he was thinking, my money's been in my 401k for the 30 years. And I haven't really bothered it. It's just been it was allocated according to what the allocation was. And he said, should I start changing it? Mm -hmm. And that was his concern. Now, this individual, as I, I did, ended up talking to him and just saying, well, here's what we're thinking. And the point was, this was not a sophisticated investor, but he had been very disciplined. And so when the market was down in 08, he said, I just quit looking at it, <laughs> which I think is important. But he said, I want to remain disciplined going forward. And now it's not over in the 401k. It's on my desk. And you could sense he had that concern. And I think that's important for what we were trying to address this for not only him, but also the listening audience and, and what they we're talking about. David, how important do you see when you think about this? The, you know, when a person starts withdrawing money from this money that they've accumulated, what are some of the things that you think they need to, to be sure they're not making a mistake with? Well, and back to Steve's point, I think the allocation of those assets, uh, looking overall at what the total resources are. Some people still have pensions. I wish I had one, but that's a tremendous resource. So pension, like Social Security, chosen correctly, can generate a lot of income during retirement. We also need to take into account, and I'll mention pensions, is that is does there need to be a spousal or survivor benefit set up with that as well? And then back to how you take your money out. When do you start taking money from your 401k or your IRAs or, or just your resources in general? Uh, you may decide that it might make sense with some analysis to start drawing on some of those assets first and defer taking your Social Security benefit. So I think there's a lot of things to consider, but you know, asset allocation is important, the timing of when you take your money out, um, just the uh, how much you need to withdraw each year to meet your expenses. You know, I, I kind of overlooked that a minute ago. I think it's important that we consider what are what is that family's expenses? We have to have enough income to meet that. And the more certain they can be that their income meets that allows them to keep their portfolio invested. That makes a lot of sense. So again, I think that's critical for people to understand. So is it complicated to to manage that uh, the the portfolio that it to, you know the principal? I mean, this guy's you can sense the loss of principal. So is it complicated? Too complicated for most people? Or what would you say to the individual that's listening today? I would say that it makes sense to have other people objectively looking at the situation because if it's our own money and we're managing our own money. It's hard to be objective. It's very subjective because we've built it up over our lives. We've got a lot of, uh, you know, personality built into it. And so I think it makes sense to have uh, an analysis done, whether you do it through software yourself, but I do think it, it makes sense to have an objective person looking at it, to look at your allocation, the, the, the um, risk of, excuse me, the allocation of stocks to bonds and cash looking at the income flow, where are those incomes going to come from? But really the starting point is, is what are the expenses going to be during retirement? Well, that's a critical point. In other words, knowing what you're going to need and then build the portfolio around 
the need. Uh, we, exactly. That's a critical point. I think a lot of people forget. They start trying to make a big investment, try to grow the portfolio, forgetting meet your needs first and, for, and foremost. Guys, let's talk about this in a few seconds that we have left with this segment of the program. How long do people need to plan for? That, when I started in the business years ago, if I could get somebody to 72, 73, 74, I was done. I mean, that was great. And today, I know we don't do that. There's an enormous amount of time between the time of a person retiring, quote, unquote, 65, 66, 67, and their mortality rate. You know, longevity, uh, even through the last census, and we see this uh, all the time, is people are just living longer on average. Now, again, we know how averages work, but you know, you know this, Jim. I've, I've got family members that have, that have lived beyond 100 years old. I have an aunt who's 100 now, and she still plays cards and games every day, very sharp. So people are just living longer. We have to plan for that. If you retired at 65 or 66 and you live to 100, that's 34, 35 years. That's as long as most people have worked if you think about it. Man, so that's a, we have to plan for a long point. time frame, and the changes are going to occur. That's uh, very well said, uh, David. David Rochester, we've been talking about some some issues. This uh, question that we got, I'm about to retire. He said October the 1st. What are some things that we shouldn't do? And you really talked about the fact that Social Security, making sure you properly elect the time based on what's best suited for the individual, Look at the portfolio, the portfolio. And, Steve, you mentioned the fact that the portfolio doesn't always have to be bonds just because now you've gone from a working life to now retired. You want it to be invested, still a good proper allocation for long term. And, guys, to think 30 years, so many people, I think we talk about that. We know that, but we're biased. <laughs> I got to say, yeah, I've done a pretty good job with that. We're biased, the fact that that's, you know, am I going to live to be 90, 91 you know, more than you think, more than you think. Well, if you just tuned in, my guests, David Rochester and Steve Anderson. And Steve is going to talk with us about something that I think is so interesting because it's been around a long time, but only in the last couple of years have you begun to sense that it's becoming important because it affects your behavior. Steve Anderson, Certified Financial Planner, welcome again to the program, sir. Thank you. All right, Steve. Behavior bias. I mean, man, with all the the presidential elections, all the news, the media is just beating us up right now. What do you mean when you talk about behavior bias? Yeah, that's a, it, it's great to always have a level set and understand what we're talking about. So generally economics, just the, the study of economics is is based on an assumption that people are rational and that we make rational decisions about spending a dollar here, a dollar there. And um, if you're anything like me, <laughs> you realize that that's kind of a faulty assumption. Now, you put thousands and millions of people together and the averages play out and maybe people are rational. But behavioral finance keys in on the individual and the individual behaviors. And it asks the question, what are the behaviors we actually exhibit? And are they irrational at times? And if they're irrational and if they're common and repeatable, behavioral finance and behavioral biases are trying to name them so that once we name it, we can tame it. We can do something with it and try to work around it. So that's what that, that study is all about. So is this a trap? I mean, does it get me caught into a corner because of my biases? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's, it's, these are really cognitive traps. So, so uh, uh, the two famous behavioral finance economists, really, that, that have given birth to this industry are Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. And so they have a book called Thinking Fast and Slow that's really kind of like 
the Bible for this, right? <laughs> okay. And and what they explain is that what our mind is trying to do is take mental shortcuts. And so most of these biases that we have are really our mind's attempt to make something that's really complex and difficult just very simple. And so we fall into these traps and none of us are immune to them. This is not something you educate your way out of. This is something you set up some guardrails in the way you do your investing or your finances or your life just to keep you from getting off track because it's hard to see these in the mirror. All right. I got it. It's there. You don't see it in the mirror. You know, you got one. You don't mean not even know that you have it. Give me what you see as one of the what's the most biased or what is one that kind of would fall in as the the number one yeah the the definitely the mother of all uh, <laughs> cognitive biases yeah. is is something called loss aversion I and can understand and this is so easy to spot when you flip on the news we all complain about this a lot of times you'll flip on the news and what do you see bad news <laughs> it's because bad news sells right i mean that's what we react to and so loss aversion is this idea that we're more we're more um reactive to losses than gains and the easiest way to understand this, uh, Kahneman and Traversky did this experiment where they would flip a coin. And they, they said to hundreds of different people, I'll give you $100, Jim. If we flip this coin, I'll give you, or you pay me $100 if it lands on heads. All right, so I'm going to flip it. If it's on heads, you give me 100 But I'll give you 150 if it lands on tails. Majority of people would not take that. It, it turned out that we had to get to 200 on the win and 100 on the loss, a two-to-one ratio before the average person would take the bet. That's an example of loss aversion. And in the world of investing, in the world of financial planning, it tends to push us in the direction of being overly sensitive to loss, and it pushes us in the direction a lot of times to being a little more conservative than we really have to be. Does that manage our risk tolerance then? Does that kind of, does that impede us from making good decisions because of that? Yeah, it certainly does. It tilts us in the direction, you know, I, I don't have clients all that often that'll call and say, oh my gosh, my portfolio is way up today. <laughs> they don't call like that. <laughs> People don't, they call oh, and they say, oh my on. gosh, what Mine happened? Do. Mine all can ever tell you. They said, Jim, you're doing a great job. Right, right. So I need to replicate <laughs> yeah, those, right? right? Yeah, so we're, we're all just prone. The, the bad things just stick in our minds so much stronger. And so that's, in, and it's in every, it's not just finance, it's in, it's in every area of our lives. So that's loss aversion for sure. Okay, loss aversion. That's the mother of that's all the mother. biases, okay? And I understand that. Steve, the one thing I would ask is, does it matter with your age? If you're a younger person, are you more okay with that? Okay, now or, he's biased. He yeah, yeah, can yeah, tell that. Yeah. You know, so I'm showing my bias. <laughs> so the question is, am I going to be less or more prone to aversion loss as I get older? Or yeah, that is a, there's actually a ton of research around millennials being way more loss averse because when they were a few years younger, they went through this last crisis called the financial crisis, and they saw the impact on their parents. And so the millennial generation, generally speaking, tends to be a little more loss averse than your generation that had a little bit different experience when they were growing up. So that's a great question. So generationally, this certainly has some impact. What are you saying impact. about my generation? <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. But that's a great point because obviously, now what you just said, see if I can say this, the experience of this generation yeah. that's been through ups and downs have learned that they can manage through that. Yeah. The ones that have only experienced it and saw what it did are maybe a little more concerned about it. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It, our experiences 
definitely play into this in, in, in a large part. That is so important. So if you talk about the mother being of all biases, the loss of earth, give me another one that you would say is important for us to understand. Yeah, so the, the one I think that we can all relate to right now is one called narrow framing. And the reason I think we can all relate to this is because the easiest way to explain this is just think about the season we're in. So So we're only a few days away now or a couple months away from an election. And depending on your point of view, you could look at Joe Biden's tax policy, maybe, and you might look at his tax policy and say, oh, my goodness, this oh, that's, is, that's this is going to be terrible. I mean, yeah. this is the end. The stock market is just going to fall over. And if 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 he is elected president and gets this installed and at the same time, someone might look at Donald Trump's policy with China and say, oh, my goodness, he's destroying all these years of globalization and, 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 oh my gosh, look at COVID-19. I mean, there's going to be, we heard, we heard a few months ago, there were going to be 2 million deaths and, and, you know, it's going to take three or four years to, to get a vaccine and narrow framing is this tendency to see something and laser focus on it and miss the big picture that over the last hundred years, the market's seen all sorts of this stuff. We've seen all sorts of different presidents and administrations and we keep moving forward. So that's narrow framing. You know, does that mean that something that happened 20 years ago that was so big 20 years ago, we've forgotten it? And because it's just, it was, it was back then we narrowed it down. Today, it's just another, another blip in the market. That's absolutely right. In fact, we were at lunch with someone yesterday and we were looking at the top 10 S&P constituents you know, the S&P 500 constituents over the decades. And I think we had five or six different decades. And there were very few repeats from, every, you know, on 10 years, decade, decade, yeah, yeah. decade to decade. And, and so narrow framing is getting so focused on one little fact pattern or one little set of information that we miss the perspective of all the other things that are really out there. You know, Steve, that's so important. If you just tuned in, my guest is Steve Anderson. We're talking about behavior bias when it comes to investing. And, you know, that's... Uh, that can be, I think, guys, that can be such a damaging effect to a person managing for retirement or, you know, both of you, you know, David, the reality is after retirement. I mean, I get to that point where all of a sudden I'm going, oh, my goodness, I, I, because my biases enter into it. And as you said earlier, Steve, you don't even realize it. You know, you mentioned, you know, events. We think 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, was when the trade towers were hit. Yeah. And, of course, that was very fresh in my mind, and I remember it just like it was yesterday. And we thought the way we were going to be able to trade and do things was going to be changed forever. And we look today, and this term wasn't used back then. We, we look today at the way social distancing has to be handled from a business standpoint. And what's the new term everybody uses? The new normal. Yeah. So the point is that we, we make this assumption that, now it's going to be like it is today forever. And that's not the case, is it, Steve? That's right. That's a, the way it has. We cannot, as investors, we cannot bypass returns. That's a hugely important statement to hang on to. Past performance? Is no predictor of future success. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep that in mind, too. If you just tune in, my guest, Steve Anderson, David Rochester, we're talking about behavior bias. Now, guys, we're going to come back, and there's two more that we're going to lay out for you that you're going to say, oh, you know, I, but you're going to realize that you probably do have some of this bias. I'm not going to tell you what they are. You need to stay with us because they're very critical when it comes to making all decisions, but especially investing decisions. And Steve's going to give us some very specific things how to avoid this. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. 
We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, David Rochester, and Steve Anderson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Secure and Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Jamie Fish or Bellevue Baptist Church. The views and opinions expressed are those of Jamie Fish only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Secure and Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, coming up later in the program, Jamie Fish will be here talking about COVID-19 and what to do in a family that's stressed out. So you don't want to miss that segment of the program, but let me mention this. We have prepared for you. It's a PDF. It's called Preparing for a Satisfying Retirement. That's a PDF that's uh, go to our Facebook page, Shoemaker Financial Facebook and uh, search for the document in our post, and there you'll be able to view it, or if you'd like to print it, just simply download it to uh, the PDF and print it. It's called Preparing for a Satisfying Retirement. I'll mention that later on the program, too, but just uh, jot that down. You'll want to get that. You'll want to be able to look into that. It's an excellent PDF, excellent uh, document that you would find it would be very interesting to read. My guests, Steve Anderson and David Rochester, we're talking about with David, we really went through some questions and some concerns. We asked, actually answered a question from one of our listeners that talked about, I'm about to retire. What should I do? Well, David helped us go through some of those issues, but now Steve is really tying it together with the biases that we have and it's kind of like a behavioral problems that we have. I mean, it's investing issues. And he's talked about, I think, probably the biggest, and he said loss averse. And I really do understand that. Nobody wants to put their money into the market and lose money. Well, you know what? That's part of investing. But that can be a big bias if you're thinking about the whole idea behind loss. And then he talked about one that I thought was important, narrow framing. But I've got he's got two more. Steve, you're just loaded with good information today, man. So help me out. What's the third one that you would want people to know? Yeah, so the next one would be one called anchoring. And to understand anchoring, we have to remember that a lot of these a lot of these biases are a product of the fact that our mind is trying to arrange some mental shortcuts. So think about this for a second. We all have we all know if we're gonna sell our home, you know, if you if you think your home is really worth three hundred, what are you gonna list it for? 350 or 325, right? You always start high, right? You start high and you work your way down. And so if you if you if someone didn't have their home listed at a particular price and you just had to walk in and look at the home and the materials and the construction and think through what is this thing really worth? That's hard work. I mean, there are actually people that make a living doing that, right? They're called appraisers. <laughs> and so that's hard work. That's cognitively pretty challenging. So anchoring is this idea that we start with a value or we start with something and we'd see everything else relative to that. So when you list your home at 350 and you don't really care that you get 350, you're just wanting to get 300, anchoring is the thing that fuels that fire. It's I see 350, I feel like I'm getting a deal when I make it deal with you for 300. 300 that's yeah. What, and that's where what I was ultimately looking for. Oh, that's what they call the sales items at uh, the, you know, retail store. You know, they can it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing too, guys. I mean, you know, I'm guilty of that. I mean, they say, "Hey, it was normally $100, but we've marked it down to it's 50% off." 
So I'm going to buy it because it's 50% off. I anchored to that $100. That's right. And, and in terms of investing, I mean, the real tie-in here that's so important to us is we get questions all the time. Isn't the market at all-time highs? Should I invest now? And that's a great example of anchoring because we're anchoring to the value today. When we talk with our clients all the time, and David was talking about asset allocation earlier, that you know, part of your money should be in stocks, part in bonds. If you have money in stocks, you shouldn't be considering touching it probably in the next five years. So today's value of the market is not what's so important. It's where is it going to be in five years? Five years. One more. The, the one that I think that I really think the hindsight, looking in the rearview mirror and thinking that's the bias, that's what, and I can see people do that all the time. Yeah, and hindsight bias is a lot like narrow framing that we talked about earlier. Um, but hindsight bias is really focused on what's happened in the past. And it's, again, it's a mental shortcut. We see what's happened in the past. And when we look back, we're storytelling machines. I mean, we can weave together how all these companies that are prolific today got there. But it's a lot easier to weave a story into the future that relates to what's happened in the past versus you know, creating something different in our mind for what's in the future. So hindsight bias is looking back and assuming that what's behind us is what's in front of us. And that can really taint the way we make our investment That's decisions. That's a great point. So we've talked about the mother of all biases, loss aversion. I think that's important. Anchoring, narrow framing, and hindsight. Now, Steve, everybody's thinking, okay, I got it. I, I suffer from that. You know, there's no cure. I can't take a pill. But you have some thoughts for them. What should they be thinking about doing when it comes to one of these biases? Yeah, that's, that is the question that is really the most important of all of them here. And the, what I said at the very beginning, you cannot educate your way out of this. You've got to set yourself up for success. The first thing that you really need to do is make sure you have identified a goal for the money you have invested. It is true some people invest to beat the market. But that's a very small subsection of most, most of the people that are out there. Most people invest money to retire successfully like David was talking about or to fund college or for some other goal. And so what we have to remember is it's so important to remember not only the risk that we're willing to accept and the time horizon to the goal, but just the goal itself. Why in the world would we subject ourselves to ups and downs of the market? There's got to be a reason, and most of the time that reason is not to beat the market. So that's the first one. The next one is having some level of diversification. You know, as long as you're spreading the money out across different size companies, different geographies around the world, between stocks and bonds, what you're doing is you're protecting yourself against that narrow framing and that hindsight bias. You're, prote you're protecting yourself from your natural inclination to predict everything that's going to come. It's okay to tilt a portfolio maybe in a direction that, you know, it expresses a belief of what's going to happen, but you don't want to, you don't want to lack diversification. You want to make sure that when you're wrong, because <laughs> you will be wrong, when you're wrong, you still have um, some money that is going to be safe and doing, you know, working towards the goal that you've identified. Well, that is so critical. So have a goal, have some type of a strategy, a purpose, and don't make it tomorrow. Don't try to beat the market. Just make it a long-term goal, one that you're, as you said, retirement, college education, whatever that is. And then 
a level of diversification geographically over different stocks. Just keep them in bonds. Keep the thing thinking about overall. So that eliminates a lot of the biases. Let me put a third one in. Guys, I think it's important people understand when all these biases plays into your emotions and then all of a sudden the media plays into your emotions, you need somebody to hold your hand. I'm going to recommend Steve Anderson. I'm going to recommend David Rochester. That's who you need to do because the bottom line is this is uh, – You know, whether it's a presidential election or just a normal year, the market moves up and down and people have emotions and they controlling those emotions are so important. Thanks, guys. I'll keep stay around with me and we'll come back in just a second. I want to talk a little bit about risk and a little bit about the whole thought process of time horizon, which you kind of tied it into, Steve. But I want to now move to a segment of our program. I always enjoy having this guy on the show with us because he brings a a kind of a levelness to it because he's so precise and so involved with what he's doing, and he's good at it. That's Jamie Fish. He is the head of the counseling department at uh, Bellevue Baptist Church. Jamie, welcome to the program, sir. Uh, good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. Did I say all the things that your mom sent me? Was I, I had this whole list <laughs> yeah. here that I, that I just kind of covered a couple of them. Yeah, the check's in the mail. Yeah, the check's in the mail. I appreciate you, man. You know, here's the thing. COVID, you know, when we talked, we had several programs that we did together back at the beginning stages of COVID-19, April, May, even some in June that we talked. But did you think for a second that here it is, September, and now we're looking at still talking about COVID? And there's really not a clear landing strip out here for us to land this plane yet so what's your thoughts i mean how long is it going to go and my concern is how do you see it people being dealing with it from a healthy standpoint well um if i could predict the end of this that you probably would want me on your team to help with <laughs> planning financially i was but, thinking uh, if you were going to give me an answer i was calling you this afternoon for another <laughs> position <laughs> yeah well no i you know what we we have uh had an increase in the requests for counseling here, and, and we do it for free. And I, th- I know everybody likes free, so that's one of the reasons. But I do think that that's uh, what's uh, taxing people is just the, the drudgery of the unknown and, and uh, how do I process this. And and uh, so we're having a lot of opportunities to speak into people's lives to help them with that. When you talk about processing the emotions, what would you say to somebody who's going through that emotional upheaval, the stress of all this and all these, what would you, what do you say to them? Just, uh, you know, that mindset of how do they go through that processing this? And I guess I'm asking in a healthy way, how do they do that? Well, I, I think, you know, sometimes we get feedback from others unsolicited that tell us, hey, you're not well. <laughs> so getting some feedback from people and we can get ahead of the curve and ask them, hey, how do you think I'm doing overall? Do you feel like I'm handling the stress and the pressure uh, pretty well. Um, how do I process normal activities when there's extra things added, uh, which we have all the time? And I've got a friend who's a, uh, a healthcare professional who swears by the WHO-5, which is a, a well-being assessment that you can give to yourself. It includes five questions, and they recommend that you give it, give it to yourself every two weeks so it's not too taxing, it's not a you know, a discipline you've got to add every day. But just ask five questions of yourself and kind of give it a self-assessment. And then I think, you know, if you can't um, handle things on your own, just ask for help. There are people that care about you and love you and and, uh, and want to help. And then if you don't have anybody in your immediate circle about that, 
uh, over here at the church, we've got people who who thrive on that, who love to help others and, and are ready to help. Well, let me, can I, I'm going to give out the telephone number to the church, just not to the counseling department, just to the church, 385, I believe it is, 2000. And if that's you would... 347. Okay, that's your number, 347. 2000. 2000, oh, okay, that's it, 347-2000. If you just feel like you need to talk to someone, uh, that's a telephone number that you can get, 347. 2000, ask for the counseling department, um, and just get somebody that can hold your hand. I mean, right now, processing this this anxiety, the fear, the drudgery, the loneliness. Uh, Jamie, that's a big issue for a lot of people because it's one thing to be kind of quarantined or, you know, you know, where you're pulling everything together, but the person who's just by themselves and cannot socialize, loneliness has got to be a problem. Yeah, we've got uh, just a makeup that requires us to interact with other people. We're relational beings, and, um, you know, sometimes sharing with other people can be a scary thing, but it's uh, something that we've got to make a risk on because we need to to interact with other people. And I think, you know, one of of the things that I've seen is that uh, as people are, are talking about this, that they're looking to the end of this as the hope, you know, that that's when everything's going to be okay. It's when all this ends. And I think in some ways they're missing an opportunity because uh, I think there's things we can learn about ourselves and learn about life uh, just by going through this. And so if you have somebody who can kind of help you do that, you know, think about uh, Scripture. You know, I'm a pastor, and so I think about Philippians chapter 4 where Paul talks about learning the secret of contentment. And he talks, he mentions that twice. And, you know, Paul was a pretty slick guy. And I think if he had to learn it, we're probably going to have to learn it as well. And so um, learning how to be be okay with being alone and, and finding joy in that. Um, our former pastor talked about that idea of contentment as being self-contained, because I'm here with Jesus, I'm good. And so learning how to do that, I think, is a very important thing. That's Philippians chapter 4. I want to make sure people know that. Yes, and sir. It's talking about contentment. Can you go over those five questions, that assessment? Can you go through that with us and help us understand yes. that? Absolutely. Well, the first one is, is I have felt cheerful and in good spirits. And that's kind of a personal assessment over the last two weeks. Second question is I've felt calm and relaxed. Third question, I've felt active and vigorous. The fourth question is, I woke up feeling fresh and rested. And then finally, the last one, my daily life has been filled with things that interest me. And you just grade yourself on a one to five. And this can be found on the World Health Organization's uh, website. It's just the WHO5 Wellbeing Index. And um, he swears by it. and he, he gives it to himself every two weeks. And I've used this from time to time uh, with myself. And, and um, you know, at that point, then I kind of just back up and assess, well, in this particular area, why why am I feeling less than, than uh, at my best? And um, and then I try to find somebody to talk to about it. Usually we just do that naturally, but sometimes, you know, just the isolation and uh, can kind of get us inward and and, and we don't have the, uh, the motivation to seek somebody out to talk about it. Well, that is so critical. Again, 347-2000. That's Bellevue Baptist Church. If you would like to talk to someone in the counseling department, it's free. And the key is it's uh, not free, and then therefore it's mediocre. It is free, and it's excellent 
faith-based, biblical-based counseling that you can trust, that you can know that they've got your best interest at heart. We're talking about processing your emotions in a healthy way during some uncertain and some very stressful times. That's Jamie Fish. He's given us some insight. Those questions, that assessment, I have I, I am cheerful, I'm calm and relaxed, active and vigorous, fresh and rested. And number five was daily something, and I didn't get it down. Uh, my daily life has filled me with things that interest me. Interest me. That's great. I like that. We're going to review those again later on in just a few minutes. But, uh, Jamie, I guess the, the idea behind a lot of people today is I'm doing okay, but the person next to me is not doing well. My spouse is not doing My children how how do I keep my family oriented in our social needs and all the things and all this social distancing? How do I help my family with all this? This is a problem for some people. Yeah, some are just weary from just the, in, enduring all this. Um, I think, you know, the masks. Um, some people see these as a fashion statement. Um, other people see it as a health priority, and, and even in families, there's a kind of a conflict over how do we, you know, how do we uh, uh, do we agree on this or not? And uh, I think you know that might be a uh, an indicator of uh, a need to sit down, have a family meeting, uh, process all these things uh, together. But I think you know asking for help from from God, you know, praying together and. And uh, listening to each other is a very important thing um, that I'm learning as well. Um, that uh, you know, there's political ramifications, there's financial ramifications. You know, how are we spending the money? You didn't talk to me about that. So, keeping peace in the family, I think, requires us to talk and listen. And so, you know, I'm coming back to the same answer, but uh, we've got to make time for that and and uh, be honest with each other and express those things. Otherwise, they kind of build up and explode. So, um, you know, having a, a time where you sit down with the person or with a group of people in your family and say, you know, here's where we are. How you doing? Here's some problems that we have. Let's work this out. And then, again, praying together and asking God for help as, as kind of a, a baseline. You know, you say that, and some people take that for granted. I know for Linda and I, we have spent this past, I mean, this literally has been I would say some of the best months for us, we have, uh, you know, because I know our lives begin to kind of, we took a little slowing down. And so we had more time together. We did spend some time praying. And all of a sudden it was, uh, and I, and I want to ask you this, sometimes you can overdo this because I know I've always commented to you how many, how you're gifted as many things as I know you deal with every day. But sometimes we get ministered to by ministering to others. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think looking outside uh, starts with probably with gratitude, appreciating what we have uh, and we experience every day uh, in that, that makes us feel healthy and well, and then uh, taking the time to share that with other people. And, and um, I read a story this morning that was pretty interesting about a woman who uh, came to pick up a birthday cake for her daughter, and somebody had paid it forward. Somebody had... Uh, left a card that said happy birthday um, and the card read this way that uh, our daughter would have been one year old today uh, and she's in heaven and we wanted to celebrate her birthday by buying your birthday um, cake this girl was so moved 
she said, from now on, I'm going to pay forward a birthday cake in this child's honor on my birthday every year. So I think, you know, when we when we take the time to to listen and to care for somebody else, come alongside them, showing genuine love, I think it 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 uh, can multiply uh, beyond that person. And you know, there are people that uh, they end up being a black hole, but there are other people that. You know, once they're encouraged, they see the value of that, and they turn around and do it with other people. Oh, that's so critical. It's others instead of self. And I think by nature, we're, we're, we're in these trying, stressful times, we deal with self. And what we're saying here is now reaching out and being something for others. That's a great story. That's a, a thought process that so many people need to understand. If you just tuned in, my guest is Jamie Fish. He is the senior counselor at Bellevue Baptist Church. The telephone number there is 347 347- 2000. If you would like to talk to someone, if you're feeling stress, if you're feeling loneliness or fear, anxiety, any of that during this time of stressful times, we, we want you to understand there is somebody there willing to listen, to help you, to counsel you. It's faith-based, biblical-based, and uh, I don't want anybody listening to this program to avoid that if you want i'd like for you to be know that you can step into that and go and get some good solid counseling my question that for so many times so many people i've listened to this from other people how do you keep peace with friends and even in the household sometimes extended family members who feel totally different about the pandemic than you do i mean uh you're listening to the news, and you're going this way, and all of I mean, well, how do you deal with that? Because, Jamie, that can be very stressful when all of a sudden, because we think differently about the pandemic, we're arguing about it. Yeah, there's uh, there's some conflict in homes because of political things. And, you know, I think sometimes we've got to uh, agree to disagree and, and table it. And then, again, coming back to the things that we value and appreciate in one another, expressing gratitude. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, probably some of these things are not going to be resolved by discussions or arguments in the home because we can't figure it out, you know, with the people that have the greatest amount of education and get to pay the most. So, um, you know, just processing that together, you know, maybe in those family meetings where we say, you know, this is something that we're going to disagree on, and maybe we ought not to talk about that because of the disharmony it's causing in our home. But uh, I think, you know, taking the time, being willing to listen, not talking over each other. There's some basic things that that uh, I think probably intuitively we all know. Um, I, I, I go back to the seven habits of highly effective people. Seek first to understand and then, listen, and then be understood. Um, so... Just taking the time to, you know, show value of the other person, giving them uh, opportunity to share their opinion, but then say, you know, we probably don't agree on that, so let's let's let somebody else resolve that, and because we're not going to change each other's opinion. And I love you too much to make that be a, a problem between us. That's great. Questions? The assessment. We got thirty seconds. Sorry. Give me those five questions again. Okay, I've felt cheerful and in good spirits in the last two weeks. I've felt calm and relaxed. I felt active and vigorous. I woke up feeling fresh and re- and rested, and then finally my daily life has been filled with things that interest me. Wow, and you can get that by going to the World Health Organization. It's called the WHO 5, 347-2000. If you would like to talk to Jamie Fish or to someone in the Biblical Counseling Service area of the Bellevue Baptist Church, 347 347- 
thousand. You've been listening to KWAM, the Mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guests, Jamie Fish from Bellevue Baptist Church, David Rochester and Steve Anderson from Shoemaker Financial. And if you have questions for Jamie, again, I said you could call him at 347-2000. That's area code 901. And questions for David or Steve, 901-757-5757. To find a copy of that PDF that I mentioned earlier, Preparing for a Satisfying Retirement, go to our Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document in the post, and then you can simply, if you'd like to copy it, print it out, download it, and you can print it out of the PDF. Scott Jordan next week. Presidential election update. Ha! That's going to be a program. You're not going to want to miss that. And Michael Powell also talking about portfolio construction pre and post election. That's Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990 FM 107.9 and AM 990. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Jim Shoemaker, David Rochester, and Steve Anderson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.